KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Terry John with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, national redistricting might have an effect on the community of Isla Vista. KCSB News reporter Jennifer Yoshikoshi spoke with Megan Turley, Vice Chair of the Santa Barbara County Independent Redistricting Commission. You'll hear from her in just a moment about how the redistricting process might affect Isla Vista and the community you live in. And with the latest news of UCSB's Munger Hall being a controversial dorm model, we wanted to hear more about the issues of housing in Isla Vista. 3rd District Supervisor Joan Hartman and District Representative Gina Fisher joined us in discussing the lack of housing in Isla Vista and other issues that have been present in the community. Now you'll hear Jennifer Yoshikoshi speak with Megan Turley about redistricting and its possible effects on the town of Isla Vista. Uh, my name is Megan Turley, and I'm one of the District 2 Commissioners for the Independent Redistricting Commission for Santa Barbara County, and I'm also the Commission's Vice Chair. And to start off, could you explain to our listeners what redistricting is? Sure. So this is a, um, a nationwide process. It goes on at the state, county, city, and, and more local levels. And it's based on every 10 years on the federal census data. And we take a look at how demographics may have changed in a certain area, in, in this case in the county. And we, with the help of the public and the public's input, redraw the lines to better represent um, the, the current uh, demographics of the county and, and voters and, and residents in the county. And so this is also the first time that an independent commission was made for redistricting in Santa Barbara County, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So in 2018, Measure G was on the ballot and it created um, it's an ordinance that created an independent redistricting commission for the county. Um, it uh, called for 11 independent commissioners who are not um, political representatives, uh, who do not endorse party candidates and uh, do not make political contributions to come together um, as representatives of the county to, to help assist in drawing the lines. And why is it so important and significant that this was made this year? That's a great question. So um, it's very significant that this is an independent commission because for most of history, redistricting has been done um, by the people who are already in charge. And a lot of counties and, and cities have been transitioning, and this is the first year that they've really been able to put it into practice, but transitioning to these independent commissions. And these commissions are really supposed to be representative of the people. So they're not supposed to be uh, at all influenced by special interests or by money in politics or anything like that. It's very much that we are supposed to be representative of the demographics of our area and be able to really truly listen to, to the residents in, in our county and hear what they would prefer the lines look like. And on the topic of Isla Vista, um, with it being a college town, there aren't that many permanent residents that live in the area, right? And that's causing an undercount in the census every year. Can you touch on how this might affect how the new map is being drawn? Sure. So, I mean, it is a complicated issue. Based on what we have seen from the 2020 census, uh, it looks like not as much changed as we thought it might with the 
issues around the pandemic and students possibly not being physically in Isla Vista. And, and I am also aware as a long-term resident of Santa Barbara that uh, we do have, you know, not an insignificant number of permanent residents in Isla Vista who make Isla Vista their home. So that's also a really important demographic that shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be forgotten in this. But yeah, I think that there always is a concern that students um, are undercounted because they're not necessarily here when the census is being conducted or uh, for a variety of other reasons, hard to hard to reach for census workers. And so it's important for us to be able to look at both the data and hear from residents, both transitory and not in Isla Vista, how they interact with, with Isla Vista, with the county, Isla Vista is an unincorporated area. It's not a city. Similar to Guadalupe, similar to other places in the county that are not cities, they deal directly with the county on a lot of different issues. And so it's very, very important that they have representation in government. And so we don't want to disempower them by splitting them up into a district where they're not going to be able to have their voices heard. But at the same time, we have to be cognizant of the fact that every district needs to have about 89,300 people in it. That's one of the things that we are um, really tasked to do under the Federal Voting Rights Act is that these lines need to be drawn in a way that each district is relatively equal. And who does Isla Vista share a district with? And that's the quest, the big question and has been the big question for, for many years around this issue. And so with the new map being drawn, Isla Vista is kind of at risk of being separated into the third and second district, correct? Yeah, so there are, I think there are a couple different things that can happen with Isla Vista. One, it can stay um, in the same district it is now, um, in in the same general sort of uh, pairing up with the same people and residents uh, along the North County coast that it is now, it could be divided into multiple districts, or it could be in an entirely new district, part of South County. So those are the three things that could possibly happen with Isla Vista. But uh, we're we're taking a look at a lot of different maps that have been submitted by residents. And that generally seems to be the the three options for Isla Vista. So yeah, so that's certainly something that we want to hear more about from residents of Isla Vista is, is what would be preferential. And if you can, would you be able to talk about like what difficulties might come if Isla Vista were to be separated into multiple districts? Yeah, so I'm I'm not a resident of Isla Vista, so I'm not sure kind of what difficulties they're currently experiencing right now, other than, you know, we have heard a lot from um, District 3 residents that Isla Vista and the rest of District 3 are not very similar in terms of their needs. But I want to give the example of Nukayama because I think it's a very good one and it kind of gives more of a general understanding of the pitfalls and um, and some of the ways in which this redistricting process can improve residents' lives in that right now, Nukayama is in District 1. Nukayama is, um, I believe, more than an hour and a half drive from their district office and most of the business and grocery shopping and and really daily interactions that Nukuyama residents have, if they have them outside of that um, that area, are with people in Santa Maria and North County. And so we had a caller call in and talk to us about how difficult it is, you know, to get building permits, and you know, to do anything that has to do with with county because their district office is so so far away from them. So. 
that's just one example of, of a situation in which it's just physically difficult to live in a district um, that is not necessarily representative of, of where you live. And so we're certainly trying to, at all times, keep that in mind for all residents in the county. And, and we really welcome people being able to tell us where they are located in the district right now is either very helpful for them or makes life difficult for them. And so that kind of goes into why redistricting is important for the future of a community, right? Could you maybe touch on how maybe that would be important for like Goleta and Santa Barbara areas? Certainly. So um, Santa Barbara City is 88,000 people, give or take a couple people. Um, and we need to draw districts that are around 89,300. So we know for sure that Santa Barbara City either is going to be in one distinct district or there's going to be a line drawn down somewhere, either down the middle or, or somewhere dividing up, up the city. And we know for sure that Santa Maria, because it has over 100,000 people, will need to be divided. Um, and we know, again, that we've heard from a lot of people that District 3 is not ideal. And so we want to be able to come up with lines that more accurately group together people who have similar voting needs, similar concerns. You know, is this a district that everybody in it has uh, lives in a fi high fire danger area? And that would be, you know, really beneficial because then the supervisor who represents that district can really advocate for those people based on the understanding that they all have similar needs. Um, similarly, again, Isla Vista is unincorporated. So if we divide Isla Vista up into two different districts and that's splitting the Isla Vista population in half, are they really going to have adequate representation from both of their supervisors around the issue of being an unincorporated area in the county? Uh, and then again, you know, taking a look at where population has changed in the county, we have a lot of growth in North County. Um, you know, if UCSB is enrolling more students, we're going to have more growth in IV. Uh, what does that look like in terms of whether or not your voting power stays the same in a county? So if, if for example, we have 10,000 more residents, this is all theoretical, hypothetical, but if we have 10,000 more residents five years from now in Isla Vista and they are in all one district, um, is it fair that they only have, are they're only represented by one supervisor? So that's, uh, that's the question. And then the real goal of redistricting is to make sure that everybody, it's a one vote per resident um, or per, per somebody who is of eligible voting age and, and able to vote um, situation in the county so that everyone kind of feels like there's um, equity there. And so it's pretty important for the community to be involved in this redistricting, correct? So could you mm -hmm. talk about why it's important for the community to make public comments and to be involved in this? Yeah, so we are, uh, we are tasked with submitting the final map, we as the commission are tasked with submitting the final map to the Board of Supervisors for final approval. But we ideally don't want to be the people drawing the lines. And so right now we're at the point in the process where we have maps submitted from community members of ideally what they would like the county lines to look like, the district lines to look like. Um, 
you know, we've extended the deadline a little bit because census data has been pretty delayed this year. And so that has been a, kind of a difficulty for us is is making sure that everyone's included in the in the process, being transparent about what we're doing, but also being aware that, you know, there is a certain level of um, delay that we may need to accept because the census tools, they're the, the tools that we were using to draw the maps were not even updated with the census data until mid-October. So that was that was difficult. But now we're at a point where it's very easy to get involved. You can take a look at our website, take a look at some of the draft maps that are on our website. And if there's one in particular that really stands out to you as a fantastic map, you can send in a public comment by email. You can attend one of our meetings and, and comment um, at the meeting. You can also um, take a look at a map. And if it really, really doesn't work for you, you can send in some comments about that as well. Um, or you can, you know, we, I think up until November 8th, we're, we're saying that's not a final no, That's not a final date, but I think that that's kind of where we're getting to. You can submit your own still, uh, submit your own map. So there are a lot of ways to still get involved and to still have your, have your voice heard in this. And it's a very, very important process because now we kind of have these possible tentative lines. And it's, it's super, super important. If you see a line that goes through your community and you know for sure that that's going to have a negative impact on your community, that this is the time to say something about it. And then over the next month or so, we're going to whittle down the maps to hopefully top two or three. And then December 5th will be one of our last meetings to determine which map we're going to adopt. And then our deadline is December 15th. So it's, it's a little bit of a, a rush to the finish here, but we're, we're trying to make sure that we're being very thoughtful about the whole process and making sure that everybody who needs to have a say in this will, will have an opportunity to, to say something. And for our listeners that might want to get involved, could you give them the website um, and other meeting information? <laughs> Definitely. So um, the website for the County of Santa Barbara redistricting effort is draw santabarbaracounty.org, draw, D-R-A-W, santabarbaracounty.org. And when you get to the website, you can go to our calendar and agenda section, and it'll have listed all of our upcoming meetings, as well as agendas, recordings, both in English and Spanish of our previous meetings. We have a meeting on November 12th, the 15th, the 18th, the 22nd, and then December 1st and 8th. And we likely will be adding at least one more meeting in between in between those as well. But you can come in person to most of these meetings or join via Zoom if you're not able to make it or don't feel comfortable attending in person. That was Megan Turley, Vice Chair of the Santa Barbara County Independent Redistricting Commission. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Terry John with KCSB News. Today we are speaking about how the national redistricting process might affect Isla Vista and how the housing crisis has affected students living in Isla Vista. Up next, we have 3rd District Supervisor Joan Hartman and District Representative Gina Fisher. KCSB News reporter Jennifer Yoshikoshi asks about the housing crisis in Isla Vista as well as past and current issues within local government. You'll hear Gina Fisher reference the long-range development plan and Supervisor Hartman discuss the work she has done with Isla Vista during her years as 3rd District Supervisor. So I'm Joan Hartman. I'm 3rd District County Supervisor. 
for a district that uh, currently stretches from UCSB Isla Vista all the way up to Guadalupe, one of the longest coastal supervisorial districts in the state. And I'm Gina Fisher. I'm a district rep and scheduler for Supervisor Hartman. I'm a UCSB alum and a KCSB alum. <laughs> and uh, I cover all issues pertaining to Isla Vista um, and the Goleta area for the supervisor. Great. And so I just kind of want to know what goes into the work of representing an area that includes Isla Vista. Well, Isla Vista is one of the most densely populated, unincorporated areas of our county. Uh, And usually areas that are that uh, populous are, are cities under themselves. But state law requires that cities be self-supporting and Isla Vista developed in a way without the uh, businesses and uh, hotels and things that would generate a lot of money to be self-supporting. So it's, um, it's remained uh, an unincorporated area of the county. And I love it because um, I, I used to be a college teacher. I love Uh, the academic setting. I love how people are always seeking better ways to do things and just the the vibrancy and the energy. Uh, So it, it, it is a challenge often because we have new students coming in. And, and so we are always meeting new students and each generation has somewhat different concerns, different things that they're facing that they would like us to address. So um, it, it, we're always growing and learning from Isla Vista. And so you did mention how Isla Vista is special in the way that it's densely populated by students, but also community members. Could you maybe touch on how the housing crisis in Isla Vista affects the way that students and community members live together within the same town? In Isla Vista, the housing stock has been relatively constant. At some point, we hope that we will actually revamp and update the Isla Vista master plan that was never adopted. And that would allow us to build more housing there, uh, denser housing and and create a a greater stock. At this point though, the, the stock has been relatively constant. We have the university growing bigger and bigger Uh, And so that means that there's more people chasing the same amount of housing. And over time, we've seen that um, there, I don't know if gentrification is exactly the word, but it's the closest concept where uh, a lot of the Latinx families and who've lived there for a longer period of time, some of them are forced more to double up or to move away. And students themselves are having to live in more crowded conditions. So, and and sometimes in garages or a closet. Uh, so um, I don't think those are really optimum ways to live for either the social interaction that's so important for, for college students and, and the studying and the, you know, focus and quiet that you need. So the, the housing, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to be, but we need to improve the housing. Where would you have the data for how 
housing has changed within the past couple of years? It's not that the housing has changed. That's the, in Isla Vista, it's been pretty static because the old zoning, put, you know, dictates how and what can be built. It's that there's been enrollment growth at UCSB. And while they have increased their ability to house, that has gone up over the years, um, it's not enough for their rate of growth. And so what you see is a competition and, and the data actually shows that other areas of the South Coast, including the city of Santa Barbara, the city of Goleta, have had to absorb that increase in students. It's both undergrad and graduate students. And Isla Vista has grown to absorb its share of an increase in students, but it can only grow so much. And we believe we might be at that ceiling where it is just so crowded there because the housing stock hasn't increased, but the enrollment of the university has. And then you see, you know, more and more students, uh, the demand is going up, the supply isn't, so that means the cost can increase and landlords can get more and more money. And that, that means, you know, a, lot, a larger share of students' budget is for housing and there's not as much left for other things that are important. Another factor is the type of students that the university, and a lot of this has been dictated by the legislature, but they um, are accepting more transfer students. So those are students who maybe are less likely to live in the dorms or, or you know, have a natural flow into the dorms. And so they're going out into the community and it's just because the stock hasn't increased in significant ways um, since 2010 when the LRDP was signed. Long range development plan. Between um, UCSB and the county. And then UCSB also signed with the city of, an agreement with the city of Goleta and then a third party community group um, called Sustainable University Now or SUN, since that has been implemented, the growth has been 5,000 students. They're at, they're actually pretty much over 25,000 enrollment. Every fall quarter for the last three years, they've had more than 25,000 students enrolled locally on campus, um, but they've only opened 1,500 new student beds in that time. So the deficit is approximately 3,500 beds. And all this leaves off, part of the agreement included um, a part that they needed to build some faculty and staff housing. Because as you grow um, grad students and undergrads, right, you have more classes, you have more need for staff. And so that grows too. So the whole point of the LRDP was recognizing that the university was going to grow. And we, that's, a, not necessarily a bad thing. That's a good thing to have more college educated Californians. But as they grew, they were going to need to accommodate the housing growth as well in tandem. And that's the spirit of the agreement. And so I think we find ourselves, it's not the first time we've been in a pinch like this. There are uh, well-documented um, news stories back in 2014. There was another uh, crunch where a lot of students were scrambling. So we do not believe this is a one-off issue. We think this will be an ongoing issue. 
And considering the circumstances of the pandemic during the past year, do you think that also had an effect on the population of Isla Vista? We thought it would, and it was certainly quieter, but we believe that many students came from other institutions to enjoy uh, what UCSB students get to enjoy. And so uh, I believe that the the rental units were fully occupied is the information we got. You didn't see as many people outside uh, on the streets, but people were indeed uh, occupying the units. It's hard to find the data on that. I think initially in the pandemic, that was certainly true. A lot of students were in their leases and they couldn't get out. So a number of them stayed or they found subletters. But when UCSB made the announcement in the summer that they were going to 100% in-person instruction, a lot of students assumed that wasn't going to be the case because the pandemic's still very much happening. So they didn't go through the normal sort of cycle of finding roommates, finding a lease, signing the lease for the next year. And there was just this scramble to try to find and secure housing. Keep in mind the pandemic's into its second year. So you have a generation of students who have missed out on that sort of normal cyclical routine that the university goes through where, you know, they come, they live in the dorms, they have, you know, so many months in the dorms to get acclimated with university life. They meet friends, they get potential roommates, they go out into the community and find their housing for the next year. And so it's a cycle that, that worked for many people, but with so many being dispersed in the pandemic back home or to other locations, I think that really changed that cycle. And and this is a a side effect. And along with the housing crisis, um, within your time as the supervisor for the third district, what other issues have um, had to be addressed in Isla Vista? Well, the first issue was uh, the creation and funding of the community services district. Because uh, Isla Vista is not a city, how could it have local governance with locally elected leaders? And so that was uh, authorized by state law, very unusual. Uh, And bringing that to fruition, explaining that to people and getting it on the ballot. And then initially the CSD and its board was created. It's an unusual board in that both the university and the county have appointees to that board, uh, making it a seven person board, but the other five are elected locally. And then the tax didn't pass initially. So getting that tax passed. And from our perspective, the CSD is a very significant local partner uh, that can identify important needs and we can partner together uh, to address those needs. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the CSD and, and also of the Ivy Reckon Park District. Um, and, and they also had a tax to pass. It continued at the same level as previously, uh, but it supports their activities. So that was first, uh, getting the community center renovated and up and operating was another really important. The other thing that happened during COVID was shelters had to have social distancing. And so we saw a lot more people homeless and they came to Isla Vista 
were living in the different small parks. Mm-hmm. It developed into situation that was dangerous for the in, for the residents of those encampments as well as the neighbors living in houses. So we had the Pallet Village and People's Park and dealing with those became one of the biggest challenges we faced in office. And we were just last week visiting the new, uh, what will be called the Hedges House of Hope, and talked to some people who had lived in the encampments, got into the Pallet Village, and now are living in apartments and have jobs. And so this was an idea that really came from some of the students. Could we gather people together and provide services, stabilize them, and get them onto a different path. And many people in the wider world think that those who have been unsheltered for many years are very difficult to get into housing. But this experiment really showed you can and how you can. And just touching back on the IVCSD and um, IVRPD, Do you see any current issues that Isla Vista has concerning local government and municipal services? The CSD has gotten some grants and is doing some work on mobility. So, but anyway, they're doing the first step of a mobility study and got the grant and uh, so and, and have a lot of outreach. They're also going to be operating the community center uh, for the county. Uh, we've brought library services into Isla Vista that we never had before. Uh, the Galita Library just uh, cut the ribbon on a new mobile unit that is regularly in Isla Vista going to different places, bringing the library to different groups. That was 3rd District Supervisor Joan Hartman and District Representative Gina Fisher. Isla Vista has had years of history with housing issues for students, but with the current state in the lack of housing and the plan to build the controversial Munger Hall, the housing crisis is rising to a level that is creating high frustration for UCSB students and Isla Vista residents. If you are interested in helping Santa Barbara County redraw its map and be updated about the redistricting process, make sure to check out drawsantabarbaracounty.org. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Terry John with KCSB News. Our theme music is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.